While hunting, Larry and Elmer got lost in the woods. And trying to reassure his friend, Larry said, don't worry. All we have to do is shoot into the air three times, stay where we are, and someone will find us. So they shot in the air three times, but nobody came. After a while, they tried again. Still no response. When they decided to try one more time, Elmer said, I sure hope it works this time. We're down to our last three arrows. Have you ever felt you're in a hopeless situation and nothing seems to be working and every solution that you come to works about uh, the way that the guys in the story, uh, their things came out? Well, today I want us to look at hope. You see, hope is one of the earmarks of a Christian. If you'll recall, we're in a series that's called When the Sun Sets You Free, You Are Free Indeed. And truly, this is one of the things that that the Lord came to set us free from was hopelessness. If there's ever any indication that God gives us hope, it's the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth, he walked, he talked, he gave himself up for us on a cross, and he rose from the dead to offer us eternal life. And through that all, he gave us a hope that nobody else in the world will ever have. It only comes through Jesus Christ. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says this, But now faith, hope, love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love Now, a lot of times you'll hear sermons about faith, and a lot of times you'll hear people talk about love, probably more about love than faith even, but not many people talk about hope. And it is right in there with faith and love as being one of the attributes of living the the Christian life. There is a hope that is placed within us when we give our lives to the Lord. In fact, there's a uh, passage from 1 Peter, the third chapter of the 15th verse, that you'll find at the bottom of all my emails and all of my letterhead. And this is what it says. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone And that can also be translated giving an answer to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Peter encourages those early Christians to be ready to give an answer to people for the hope that is within them. And it's the same hope that we have within us, and it's the same hopes that Hope that's been in the heart of Christians since Jesus came and called us to be his disciples. One of my favorite cartoons is one from about 35 years ago, probably in a cartoon strip that many of you that are listening have never heard of called The Wizard of Id. And in this cartoon, 
there are two prisoners who are chained to a dungeon wall. And they're not just chained to the wall. They are hanging by chains, spread eagle from the wall, their arms stretched out and their legs splayed out, stretched out with shackles on, suspended about three, three and a half feet above the floor. And they're both there just plastered to the wall. And one of them has turned to the other one. And with a glint in his eye, he's saying, now here's the plan. Even in the midst of his helplessness, this guy still had hope. And that's the way we Christians should look to uh, look at We'll look to the world around us as people in this day and age, it seems like things are so hopeless and people are feeling so helpless and people are just looking for hope. Either that or they've just given up any hope and are just resigned to life being the dark place that it is. And whenever they see your bright light shining, they're going to ask you about it. And so I would encourage you to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Now, I must say, hopelessness is a terrible thing. I encountered the story the other day of a young man named Martin Pistorius. He was just 12 years old when a mysterious illness began to slowly rob him of his ability to walk, to talk, or to communicate at all. And finally, he descended into a vegetative state that left the doctors baffled and his family despairing. His parents were told to take their son home because his time left was limited. But he just kept on and he kept on going. The first two years, Martin was in a coma-like condition, motionless, unresponsive, and utterly unconscious. But some two years into his ordeal, his mind began to wake up. Unfortunately, his mind was the only thing uh, that began to awaken, and Martin soon found himself fully conscious, but unable to communicate with the outside world. No one not even his closest caretakers or doctors knew that he could hear and see everything that he was going that was going on around him. Martin was just trapped in this frozen body. He says, "I knew where I, who I, he says I knew who I was and where I was, and understood I'd been I had been robbed of a real life." And then suddenly, after more than 10 years of imprisonment within his own body, Martin began to once again feel his arms and his legs. And slowly and painstakingly, movement followed. Then came rigorous rehabilitation. And in his late 20s, he learned to use a computer to speak. Soon after, he got a government job. Then he graduated from college with a degree in computer science, started his own web design company, and married his wife, Joanna, in 2008. His story may sound far-fetched, but it, it is a 
a documented story of a real factual disorder. Now, it's hard to imagine the claustrophobic fear or the hopeless bondage of being locked in one's own body, unable to walk or talk or communicate with the outside world. But sadly, there's an even more fearful bondage, one that is far more common today. It's the vegetative state suffered by every person who is cut off from God by sin. Though robbed of real life, they don't have hopelessness, though, or they don't have to fall into despair and hopelessness, because in Christ, even those who are dead in their transgressions and sins can find newness of life. In fact, uh, Paul illustrates this in his letter to the Ephesians when he tells the Ephesians, talking about the time before they came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. And listen to this. He says, you lived in this world without God and without hope. And then again in Ephesians, he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and life. Jesus really meant it when he says that the thief comes but to kill and to steal and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. If you have come to know Jesus truly as your Lord and Savior, you know that that is true. Before you come to know him, it's like, well, with me, it was like I was like in a jar with a lid screwed on tight. And I was just living in this compact, circular, just going around in circles type of, a, of an environment, just never knowing anything ahead but futility. Even in the best of life, I faced death. And then, whenever I came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's like someone just took the lid off that jar and all of a sudden I was free into a life I wasn't even aware was there. And there are so many people that are just lost in darkness, going around, wandering around blindly in circles because they haven't come to know the light and life that Jesus Christ has to offer. Hopelessness is horrible, but Jesus came to bring us light and life and hope. In Parade Magazine, you can read about a self-made millionaire named Eugene Ladd, 
I'm sorry, Eugene Land, who greatly changed the lives of a sixth grade class in East Harlem. Mr. Lang, I'm sorry, Mr. Land, had been asked to speak to the class of 59 sixth graders. What could he say to inspire these students, most of whom would drop out of school? He wondered how he could get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children to even look at him. He'd made some notes, but as he looked at these kids, he just laid aside his notes and spoke to them from his heart. Stay in school, he said, and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. Now, at that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time, they had hope. One student years later said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. Now, you know, nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. If it hadn't been for Mr. Land, most of them would have dropped out. But Mr. Land gave them hope. Now, I want you to notice something. He didn't offer to do their homework for them, to do their schoolwork for them. There were things that they had to do for the next years, next six years, to get through the 12th grade so they could take him up on his offer of college tuition. And that's kind of the way it is with us. God offers us help in this world and life in this world, and he offers us life eternally. And how wonderful it is to know that that song is true when we sing When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. We have eternity before us now. We have a hope. But the thing is, in this life, we're going to meet some obstacles. We're going to have some challenges. And in the midst of this life, we have this promise to cling to. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. The Lord delivers them out of them all. No matter what sort of a pickle you find yourself in, you can count on the Lord delivering you out of that affliction. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So what do you do when you find yourself in this life going through a tough time? Whenever you have God's hope within you, but things just seem beyond you. I think one of the best examples of this or the best Uh, depictions of this and a place where we can draw the most information is from the book of Ezekiel in the 37th chapter, the first and the 10th verses. God brings Ezekiel to a valley that is filled with many bleached bones. 
an army has been slaughtered there and their bones have been bleached white through the years by the sun. The skeletons of corpses long ago decomposed. Well, today, I want to ask you something. I want us to look at this, and I want to ask you the question that God asked Ezekiel. Because, you see, Ezekiel, he was put in a spot when he was asked a question. All he could do was say, God, you're the only one who knows. In verse 3 of the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, God is speaking to Ezekiel, and God has brought the prophet to a place of death, and he asked him what he saw. And then he did two things. He asked a question, and then he gave some instructions. He says, Son of man, can these bones live? Now, you see, even when God asks a question, a lot of times he's making a statement. And Ezekiel saw that, and Ezekiel answered, and he said, Only you know, Lord. In your life this morning, what do you see? What do you see in your life? What do you see? What do you see in your marriage? What do you see in your children and your family? What do you see in your career? What do you see in your relationships? What do you see in your health? What do you see in your future? Do you see death, discouragement, disappointment, heartache, pain? In your life this morning or in your life right now as I'm speaking to you, what do you see? Because you see, God has brought some of you to this place at this time. And he's asking you, as you look over a dry valley of dead bones in your life, what do you see? He's asking, can this be brought back to life? Whatever situation you're in, and you respond, God, you're the only one that knows. Now, I've learned that when a situation is so impossible that I find myself in that only God can fix it, it's time to get excited. Because you have a Red Sea moment that's going to give God a special place in your life like never before that's about to happen. If you will continue on in faith, trusting that God can make a way even when there is no way. That's the hope that's within us. We have within us just this basic knowledge, no matter what comes our way, somehow, Everything's going to be all right. Notice what God does. He tells the man to prophesy what he's told. 
Now, a lot of times as humans, we expect God to do it all. But God involves us in our lives. He doesn't live our lives for us just like he was, like uh, Mr. Land was not going to be going to school in the place of those kids. But he was going to help them to have a better life. And God is going to communicate with you. And he communicates with you in a way that you'll know what you're supposed to do. It may not seem like the very like like it addresses the real problem even, but it does. He told Ezekiel to prophesy. Now, I'll give you an example. You're in a tough situation and you cry out to God and the Lord communicates back a word like love your wife or respect your husband. And you don't like the answer. And so you continue to cry out and get frustrated and you lose hope because God's not helping you. Now, do you understand? We have a part to play. Our part to play is obedience. Uh, I can remember in my own life one time when I was so ill that I didn't know if I was going to live or die. I was so weak. I couldn't even feed myself. And I was laying in a hospital bed, just crying out to God, saying, God, what am I doing here? I've seen people healed. I've prayed for people and they're healed. I need to be out doing your work, God. What am I doing here? And the only word that would come to mind was a scripture that says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I would think, where did that come from? And go back to crying out to God and saying, God, what? And just griping at God. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I was asking God to help me. He was telling me what to do. And I had to repent. I had to ask God to forgive me and to start helping me to be a bright light where I was and to start giving thanks. And so I began to give thanks in everything, not for everything, but in that situation, I began to find things to be thankful for. Thankful that I was in a hospital where I was being taken care of. Thankful that our insurance had kicked in. And if I died, Sharon wasn't going to be left with a big debt. Thankful for so many things. And as I began to thank God, I began to get better. And here, (laughs) decades later, I'm before you and I'm speaking to you because I was in a hopeless and helpless place and God brought me through. What's your hopeless and helpless place today? Take time, listen to what God tells you to do and do it. Now notice that the prophet did prophesy and then what happened? Things began to change, but it didn't happen all at once. Yes, sinew and muscles and skin became, became made, manifested themselves. And the next thing you know, there's a valley filled with lifeless bodies. 
There's some people that have been crying out to God and they listened to God and they did something and something started to happen. But it didn't go all the way like they wanted it to. And so they gave up on God and they and they've walked away and they've quit trying. And that may be you right now as you're listening to this. And you need to hear the rest of the story. And the rest of the story is that God wasn't through. God was still talking. Ezekiel had to listen. Ezekiel listened and he told Isaiah to not Isaiah. He told Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath. And he prophesied to the breath and breath came into those bodies. And the next thing you know, Isaiah has a living army, powerful army standing before him. But you see, Isaiah listened. He didn't give up hope. And as people of hope and as people of God, We don't give up hope either. What is the thing? What is your valley of dry bones? Give it a name and let's pray about it. Oh God, in my life, this situation is just like Ezekiel's valley of dry bones. All I can see is death and helplessness, hopelessness, and futility. And there's nothing within my power that I can do about it. And yet, Lord, this is in the life that you have given me, and you have placed this before me. What should I do? I'm listening, Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.